All right, Steve, I'm going to ask you the question. I could probably answer it for you. I could probably do my impersonation of you answering this question. And I, it has to be told and it's going to be recorded. Tell me your franchise story. How do you fall into franchising? Yeah, you probably could tell my story, Nick. I don't know how long it's been, 25 or 30 years, but it's been a long time since we've known each other. So um, my franchise journey started when I was a kid. I mean, I really learned franchising from my parents. Uh, they had a family business, packaging and shipping business in the mid 80s uh, that they decided to franchise. And as a kid growing up, I was just kind of interested in franchising uh, when I realized I wasn't going to play baseball for a living, which, you know, a lot of young young boys may want to do. Um, I, I learned about business and I was intrigued by it. So I uh, interned for the vice president of franchise sales that my parents had hired in the business to sell franchises. And I watched them meet potential franchisees uh, after my classes in high school and uh, just learned about franchising. And I really loved it. So when I graduated high school, I was going off to college and I said to my dad, I know what I want to do. I want to sell franchises for a living. And he said, great, you'll do that once you graduate college. And I said, thanks, but I really want to do it right now. And and I don't think he thought I'd really be successful, but he said, OK, and uh, moved into my college dorm room and didn't know my roommate. And he had pictures of beer on the wall on his side of the room. And my side of the room had maps like the one right behind me. And I had push pins plotted where I was putting all my franchises. True story that the greens were targeted. The blues were under construction franchises and the reds were my open franchises. And uh, you can imagine how popular I was in college with maps and push pins on my wall. But you know, when all my friends were, you know, working at McDonald's or working at, you know, the movie theater, uh, you know, after school and after college classes, I was going to meet a potential franchisee in slacks, a dress shirt and had a briefcase in my car and and would go to do franchise shows on the weekends. I would do two to three franchise shows every month because there was no Internet back then. Um, so if you were interested in a franchise, you had to come to a show to learn about us. And uh, I would work leads. Uh, I called people for my college dorm room, which you couldn't do today because of caller ID, but it didn't exist back then. And I would tell them about the business, meet them after class, and I would sell one or two franchises every single month. I loved it, and it was great. So did that for a few years, and when I was a junior in college, decided I wanted to go in my own business, um, and I started a food delivery business. So very similar to what everybody knows today, Nick, is you know DoorDash and Uber Eats and Grubhub and all those companies that provide amazing service, bringing food from restaurants to people's homes and offices. Uh, I created that industry back in 1991 with a company called Black Tie Express. We delivered food, black slacks, a white dress shirt and a bow tie. We wanted to look good coming into your restaurant to pick up the food. And we wanted to look good walking up to the customer's front door to deliver the food. And what we did was we actually printed menu books like this one here. This is one of our original menus with literally 30 restaurants menus inside this 50 page book. And we would mail 50,000 of these to people's homes and offices every quarter. And we'd have one phone number people would call with 10 phone lines because they couldn't order online. It didn't exist back then. And we started this business in 91 when I was in college. Our drivers, again, you know, wanted to look good going up to the customer's front door and into the restaurants. We used the same thermally insulated food bags that Domino's Pizza used. And I started that business in 91. I franchised the business after I graduated college in 93. And by 1994, I had 35 franchises 
I was the second largest in the country doing it. And uh, then was approached by my largest competitor. They wanted to acquire our company. Uh, they did in November of 94. And really that springboarded my career in franchising and went on and became the VP of development for Takeout Taxi out of Northern Virginia. Grew that brand to about 150 locations around the US and internationally. And then went on and built a few other franchise chains like Rita's Italian Ice, helped grow that brand to almost 400 locations before we sold to private equity, Salad Works, and then Hollywood Tans, where we had almost 400 salons. And then I started the consulting business, SMB Franchise Advisors, uh, the end of 2009, beginning of 2010. And today our company has helped just about 500 brands launch into the franchise industry. And we have truly an amazing team. You see the picture here of my team uh, that supports our clients every day. And we love franchising. It's just been a great industry for me. Um, I write for Forbes uh, on franchising. I sit on you know a lot of boards um, and I love to give back to an industry that's just been great to me. I mean, it's, it's a great story. And I, I do joke uh, whenever I do these that nobody thought that they would be in franchise and they fall into it. You, you actually thought it. If you go all the way back to your, your parents are in the, in, in the space, like, is it money? Like, was, was it, you were excited about money? Is that why you wanted, wanted to be in it? Like, what, what was that, that thing, that, that emotional piece that said, this is what I want to do with my life? Yeah, that's a good question. Nobody's asked me that before, in, you know, 30 some odd years in this industry um, specifically. So that's a good one to, to think about. No, really wasn't. I mean, certainly I was motivated by making money, uh, but it wasn't the deciding factor for me. I think it was part of the the growing a brand and building something and, and owning it and, and creating something yourself. Um, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, and I, you know, fully envisioned when I started Black Tie Express to franchise it. I mean, it was never to just have one corporate territory and operate it. My parents had a franchise business. We grew it to over 100 locations. The plan was always to grow through franchising. Um, how to do it after I graduated college, kind of had it my hands full with a business and going to college. And I was selling franchises for my parents' business prior to that. So had a lot going on. But once I graduated, the plan was always to franchise the business, take it to the next level. And and I think, you know, we grew it to 35 locations by the time I was 24 years old. I thought I took it probably as far as I could at that point. I knew that I'd be much smarter at 34 and 44 than I was at 24. So um, it was the right time for me. It was the right transaction. I look back and say it was still a great deal. Um, but getting into franchising, I was just super excited about building a business and you know and growing it um and i thought the money would come and and certainly you know money money has and it's been a great industry for me for a long time yeah, i mean if i think back on what was forcing me to be an entrepreneur it was it was definitely i liked the idea or the concept of money but i remember my dad had it was a gold money clip and he i mean it probably <laughs> wasn't a ton of money but i remember like there was always a stack of bills in this money clip and i was like how do i Get that. my version. Yeah. And it and wasn't my, a con, my, but it was like, how do I get that? Yeah, my grandfather had the same thing. And I, I, I used to see it too. And and my grandfather was involved in business too, in the family business at one point. And, and I used to think the same thing. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. I want that too at some point in my life, right? So, but like you said, I wasn't motivated by the money, although the money, you know, is a factor. I was motivated by just the, 
kind of the excitement of a business and building something and being a part of something and growing it and building something regionally and then eventually nationally. Uh, that, that really was the motivating factor for me. When you're selling these franchises, and I can think to, to today's time, like the salesperson is so vital to the sales process. If they don't make the candidate feel comfortable in investing their life savings into a business they have little to no control over, then the odds of that deal closing is all reliant based on how emotionally high the candidate is if they don't like that person. In this scenario, in your story, you're a teenager talking to people about investing their life savings. Did that ever create a hurdle that you had to overcome? Yeah, early on, you know, I mean, first of all, when I was 18 years old and selling franchises, I looked older. So that's a great thing. When you get older and you look older, not so good. But when you're 18 and you look older, it's pretty cool. Um, but I mean, I remember going to a meeting with some potential franchisees and we had a dinner in Michigan. And I remember meeting with the potential franchisees that eventually became master franchisees in our business. And they were ordering drinks at dinner and I wasn't old enough to drink. So I couldn't even order a drink. So, you know, I, I mean, look, there, there was some of that when I was 18 and 19 years old. But, but most people, you know, I, I knew the business inside and out and I was so passionate about it. And like I said, I did look a little bit older than I was. So it really wasn't a big factor. I'm sure there might have been some people who said, do I really want to buy a business from, you know, even a somebody who looks like they're 21 or 22, even if I was 18 or 19. Um, but for the most part, I didn't have that challenge. I, I, I just kept going full steam ahead. And I was convinced that I knew my stuff and I knew the business inside and out. Um, and I was as good as, you know, any other franchise development managers we had. Another interesting part of your story is, is timing. And so I'm going to, I'm going to make this twofold. Think about what you did. You were on the you 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 were a, a thought leader in a category that turned into multi 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 billion dollar businesses for the DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, and so the two sides of this is and I know you as a human, I assume you don't hold a grudge on that and you don't reflect backwards negatively, um, but if I think through just purely the brands that you're talking to, timing ends up being so essential. If I said, you know. Crumble Cookie would be a big, growing, fast-growing brand. You would say cookies have been around forever. It happened a little bit with Great American, with um, the the birthplace of cookies in the mall. Yeah. But you know, timing ends up being so critical that what's the difference between Great American that that doesn't go iconic and Crumble that is on its way to being iconic? And so, do you look back? with frustration that you missed it from a timing standpoint or that you should have stayed the course? And then how important is timing to, to winning and franchising? Yeah. Timing is critical to any business, not just franchising. It's the critical point for many, many companies and industries out there in any business. Um, no, I don't hold any grudges. Uh, you know, my kids say to me all the time, dad, we could have been DoorDash or Uber Eats or Grubhub. And I said, no, we couldn't because here's the thing. You know, when I started the business, technology wasn't a thing, right? So you had to call our phone numbers to order from us. And we had to print these menu books, you know, DoorDash and Uber Eats and Grubhub and all those businesses, they tend to be tech companies that happen to deliver food and they're amazing at it, right? But there are tech companies first and foremost, right? We weren't, and I didn't know technology. Technology came really right after my time in school. So 
I wouldn't have been able to create the DoorDash of the world and the Uber Eats and the and the Grubhubs uh, because I didn't have that kind of education and that kind of background. So I don't look back on it in any you know bad way. I mean, we were written up in the New York Times, you know, when I was 23 years old, you know, and talking about our food delivery business and how this was a wave of the future. That's super pretty cool. And I still have articles, you know, copies of it from the New York Times from back then. So that's great. But, you know, listen, everything is in due time. Um, I love to, to say that we were one of the creators of the industry, me and my partners. But at the same time, we weren't the guys to take it to the next level. And I'm super excited what has happened with the industry to show that our concept was really relevant. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't exactly the right time for it. We knew, you know, whether it was not just food, delivering dry cleaning, delivering groceries, all those things were were the future for our business. And we knew that we just, you know, we took it as far as we could at the time. And it was the right exit for us back in, in November of 94, when we sold our company uh, to take a taxi and they took their business to the next level as much as they could. And then technology obviously changed the whole industry, but you know, I, I don't have any regrets. When you make the decision that you're going to stop being a franchisor and go back into owning your own business, and you land on the concept of, hey, there, there's a gap in the marketplace. There's not a lot of options when it comes to helping someone franchise their business. And in the Northeast where you were, you thought there's an area of opportunity here because there's nobody that can service the volume of brands that are up here in person, at least as, a, as an entry point into your business. When you make that decision, did, did you struggle with the, the idea of leaving behind being a traditional franchisor at that moment, uh, if you think back on on how you got got into it, yeah. In regards to consulting, absolutely, if that's what you mean. So, yeah, you know, I was a franchisor um, for most of my life up until the end of two thousand nine, beginning of two thousand and ten, and even after I sold Black Tie Express and and you know helped run Takeout Taxi, and then eventually as a senior executive with Rita's Water Ice and Salad Works and Hollywood Tans, um, you know, they were great companies. I loved every moment of what I did, you know, certainly as a franchisor, there are stress points for every franchisor. Uh, but overall, when I look back, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and in the beginning, when I started to be, you know, a consultant and start SMB Franchise Advisors, it was definitely different. There is no doubt about it. Um, different than running the franchise company and, and being there every day. There are, you know, good positive points about it and negative points about it, right? But but I love franchising. And what I love about what we're able to do now with our company is we've worked with over 500 brands, probably 100 plus industries we've worked with. So whether it's childcare or senior care or pets or sports uh, or entertainment, I mean, I you know, food, I can go on and on and on. Fitness, you know, it's amazing. And, you know, we love what we do and we're real passionate about franchising and our brands. So it's become a lot of fun. I've actually had the opportunity to become an equity investor in some franchise brands. I sit on many boards um, and I, you know, so I'm still very actively involved in some franchise companies, but I'm not running any of them day to day. From the pressures of growing your own business again, do you feel like uh, the the beating that you learn to take as a franchise sales professional that you're only as good as your last deal has allowed you to live in the world where you're 
trying to find businesses that are viable to franchise like did is that did that help create the crazy that allows you to mentally be able to battle through this and and get to the place where you've helped 500 brands yeah i think that you know uh we're really lucky our business has grown in leaps and bounds every year since we've started the company back at the end of nine and beginning of ten um and our team just continues to grow uh and our client base continues to grow so you know, now we're at a point where, you know, we're not out there, you know, we're certainly marketing our business. We go to trade shows and and we do, you know, events and things of that nature. But our clients refer us business now all the time uh, and our vendor partners uh, and our referral networks and all these other companies that we have these relationships with um, that maybe I've known the people for 20 and 30 years. But my team has and our consulting company's been around now, you know, well over 10 years, closer to 13 years, 14 years so we have a reputation which is great um and uh, that's why our business is what it is so i do think that you know being in franchise sales and having built my own business has helped prepare me as a franchisor building my own business has helped prepare me for you know our consulting business and what it's become today and what really started as a regional consulting firm when i started the company uh in the beginning where we only service people in the Northeast where we're based has now become, you know, a business where we service clients all over the United States. And we have a few international too, but, but mostly in the United States, but everywhere in the United States. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. If you reflect back on dreams that you had when you entered the world as a, as a franchisor owning your own business and dreams you have now, what is the dream with this? Like, what is the ultimate goal with SMB? Like, what what do you think about as a as that fat goal that you want to get in front of? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the I don't know that I'll ever retire. I love what I do, so it'll be hard for me at some point, um, you know, to do that. So I, I think the end goal is to keep growing franchise brands. Um, when I have the opportunity, I, I potentially invest in some franchise brands. I love helping them grow and then helping them do a, a private equity exit. So, you know, while I did the exit of my company back in November of 94, um, the exits are very different today than they were back then. Well, it was a very good exit back then for me as a 24-year-old kid. The exits today are much different. And, you know, nothing makes me more excited than helping our clients grow, my team and I, and then helping them do that private equity exit, which today isn't necessarily 100% of the company. A lot of times it could be 70 or 80% of the company and the founders get that second bite of the apple. And when I have the opportunity to help our clients do that, those transactions, it's extremely rewarding for me. Um, and it's obviously rewarding for our clients. So that's a lot of fun. I love playing in that space and spending a lot of my time now, probably 30% of it doing private equity stuff with our clients. Um, it's just been a lot of fun and, and I really, really enjoy it. So I envision doing it for a long time. And the end game is just to continue to grow franchise brands and, and uh, be a part of, you know, some of them that I think, you know, uh, can see us as a huge asset more than just as a consulting firm. Uh, and it gives me the opportunity to do, you know, multiple transactions because I'm not running any one company, uh, you know, and still build the consulting business, which has been tremendous. You've, you've always had the mindset to exit. This goes all the way back to you even getting into franchising and probably even helping franchisees figure out how they exit their business. Do you ever think about exiting this? Like, does that, 
turn into part of where you're headed or has that has that disappeared from your mindset yeah there's no no plan of any exit anytime soon um you know you never say never because you never know right you know but but at the same time i love it um you know i have family in the business now too um and uh you know i just brought on uh, a chief development officer uh who's my nephew uh who comes from Goldman Sachs and, and Barclays, big experience, 10 plus years, and just was able to bring him on board as our chief development officer. So, you know, I, I envision owning the business for a long time and he's going to help continue to grow the business. So uh, I don't envision exiting any anytime soon. That's a big, that's a big shift, especially like, I mean, look, what, what I heard there is I, I love the business. So I would assume that if you're advising one of your clients on what time, what when is the right time to exit? It's either you've hit a rocket ship and the offer is ridiculous or you are no longer having fun with the business. Is that is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I, I think that is fair. I mean, I'm in the process of doing three, you know, private equity exit transactions for three of our clients. And, you know, one of them just said, I'm at the stage in my life where I've done this for 25 years. It's been great. I love the business, but I'm a bit older now and it's just the right time. And guess what? He's rolling in a bunch of equity in the new deal. So he's going to get a second bite of the apple. He's going to get a bunch of money up front. And, 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 and the new group is going to come in and bring a new president in and really try and, you know, really grow this thing. So uh, his business to the next level. So everybody wins. And that's kind of what happens. I did a transaction last year. Same thing. Um, another transaction I did last year where they rolled the company into a portfolio company which already had other home service brands in it. And they were able to, you know, leverage the infrastructure that, you know, my founder, who I helped build the business with, grew it to over 50 units, over 100 franchise territories. Great, bit, great. He's done a great job. But he said, I've taken it as far as I can. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. So we truly try and spend time with our founders and, and the entrepreneurs and help them understand when it is the right time for them. And it's different for everybody. You know, it really is. I have other clients who say, you know, it's multiple, multiple millions, but it's not enough yet. I have a number in my head and that's the end game and that's the exit. Yeah. And then I have others who say, you know, seven years. I'm giving it seven years. And then after that, that's when I do want to exit. And sometimes, like I said, it's not a full exit anymore. It used to be, but it's not really anymore. Most of the time it's, it's an exit for, you know, whatever it is, 70, 80 85% and they they want the founder to stay in the business. Right. They want them to to still want to see the business grow. Cuz if they see that the founder wants 100% exit, they start to get a little concerned. What are they running from? Right. That's fair. All right, so Steve, let's close with this. There's a ghost who's hung on this long in our conversation and they're thinking about franchising their business or they need some consultancy when it comes to exiting their business. They're looking to bring on an equity partner in their business. What do you want them to know about your company that will make them reach out to you? Yeah, we're really truly a family, Nick. You know, you've known me long enough and and the tagline for our company is it's all about the relationship. And that is really what we're all about. We're not the right fit for everyone. We tell people that. But if people really want a team that's going to be there for them and be by their side as they, you know, A, start their franchise concept and grow it from their, you know, business that has one location or three locations corporately and now thinking about franchising and then take it to the next level and award those first few franchisees and guide them through that process to then 
guiding them through that exit when they get to 50, 100, 200, 300 locations, uh, then we probably are a really great fit. Um, and, you know, reach out to us. Our website is smbfranchising.com. So smbfranchising.com, you could reach us. Um, and either myself or Brian or Frank or one of our, you know, development managers will reach back out and set up an introductory call, get to know you and your business a little bit better, and tell you about what we do, and then see if it's potentially a good fit. Um, for us, fit's really important. We want to bring on the right clients who, you know, really have the right culture and, and passion and vision that we have uh, because we want it to be the right fit. Otherwise, you know, we understand if they uh, if they want to go somewhere else. I love it. Uh, for one of the better human beings in franchising, Steve, uh, enjoyed the conversation. For Steve, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Supplier. See you, everybody. Thanks, Nick.